0: John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. This has been at the Feast of Booths, where Jesus is teaching in the temple. And it is about six months before the great Passover, in which he will be crucified, The conflict with the Jewish leaders has been escalating ever since he healed the lame man on the Sabbath day. They have, uh, on an earlier occasion, they have been seeking to find him, to even kill him, trying to trap him, uh, seeking even to arrest him, but unable because his hour had not yet arrived. And so he was teaching at the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called that because they would create temporary booths or structures, kind of like going camping to remember how God had taken care of them in the wilderness uh, when they had lived in temporary dwellings. And that feast was, was coming to an end. He had spoken on the last day that whoever thirsts should come to him and drink, that he provides the living water similar to that water from the rock in the wilderness, except his water was the Holy Spirit uh, giving life that is everlasting. Well, now he speaks on the next day of being the light of the world. Let me read verse 12 through verse 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's briefly uh, pray for God's blessing upon his word. Join with me. Father, we thank you for giving us your word to direct us, to give us uh, true light. Understanding and the knowledge of salvation. We pray that the words that we have heard would be profitable to us and that the preaching would be faithful to your word and edifying to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give a special attention to verse 12. Uh, Verse 12, where Jesus said that he is the light of the world. But first, I'm going to talk more broadly about this passage in general, review uh, all of what Jesus says here, and then narrow in on that particular phrase, which is uh, really what sets off the conversation. Because the conversation becomes, are you, who you, really, are you really who you say you are? You say this, but uh, is your testimony true? So the whole discussion revolves around who he said he really is. And that's what he says in verse 12 that he is the light of the world. So in that verse 12, he makes that claim, that Jesus makes the claim to be the light of the world, and he calls upon the people to follow him, that they might have the light of life. Now in verses 13 through 20, the Pharisees challenge that claim. You say that, but your witness is not true. You're just one witness. Should we just take your word for it? Jesus answers by reproving their hasty judgment, their judgment according to the flesh, and by pointing to the twofold witness of him and his father. Uh, Jesus has talked about this already, uh, that he did not merely make a claim. He did make claims. Not everyone in this uh, world today recognizes that he made claims, not only teaching things, but also claiming things about himself, that his own identity was important, that he was the Savior. That's important. But he didn't just make the claim. He also backed it up, that uh, scripture would also point to Jesus Christ, that you have the scriptures, search the scriptures, they speak of me, that Jesus in many ways fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. He would also say, look at the works I'm doing, the works the Father has given me to do. The Father testified to the Son through scripture, also through the works that he had given him to do, like healing the lame and feeding the 5,000 and doing other things. Miracles beyond the ability of any man. And then also, there was the voice of the Father that John the Baptist had said uh, that he had heard, that this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist himself uh, said this is the Lamb of God, but Jesus doesn't bring that in here. His point is that even the testimony of two people, two men, two anthropos is the Greek word, uh, would be Legitimate in a court case. The law would speak of this if you are trying a person for a crime, that the testimony of two witnesses uh, would be uh, legitimate. Well, what about two divine people? Uh, what about the Son and the Father both attesting to this? Notice the Gospel of John time and again affirms both the unity of the Father and the Son as one God, And distinguishes them as two persons that uh, can interact with one another. That can be with one another as well as being one. As at the very beginning of the gospel, the word with a capital W, Jesus himself, the word was with God and the word was God. Well, then Jesus goes on to say that either you're going to believe in Jesus or you're going to die in your sins. And the people who are opposing him, he's saying, you're going to die in your sins. If you continue down this path, you're going to die in your sins. The only way of salvation is through believing that I am he, that I am the one I've claimed to be from the beginning of this conversation, from the beginning of my testimony, to be the light of the world, to be the one who gives the water of life, to be the one who is the bread of life, the savior of the world. He is from... Above, They are from below. Uh, think of he, his, he comes from God. They come from that fallen humanity, from the earth, from the world, from that fallen order who had fallen into sin. They were from the world, but he was not from the world. Uh, he had come to the world to be the savior of the world. In verses 25 through 30. Jesus uh, speaks more about his relationship with the Father because they ask, where is your Father? Uh, They do not understand that he's talking to them about the Heavenly Father or to, to God the Father. But Jesus is the one sent by the Father. He speaks the message of the Father. He perfectly reveals the Father. He always does what is pleasing with the Father. The Father is with him. To see Jesus is to see the Father, and if you knew Jesus, you would know the Father. Uh, As the beginning of this gospel said, that uh, that, uh, Jesus made the Father known. Or as Hebrews would say, God has spoken in many ways by the prophets, speaking truly the word of God, but here now was God in the flesh, the perfect radiance of his glory, the Son himself revealing the Father to us. Let's back up then to verse 12, the claim that Jesus made. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We can learn or draw out three things from this. We see that Jesus is the light of the world. We see that without Jesus, we walk in darkness. And that those who follow him will have the light of life. First then, Jesus is the light of the world. It's significant when he said this. What is the context in which he said this? He said this after the Feast of Booths, remember, which was a week-long festival. This seems to be the next day after it's done. Everyone who is listening to him, because he's in the temple itself, in the treasury, um, that's the the outer court of the temple where everyone could go, and deposit their money. It's good to put the treasury where you deposit your money where everyone can get to, right? And so he's in that area, in the temple. They've all been through this festival. And during that feast, from the records we have, they would light four great torches, large torches in the temple courts so that they would be able to carry on the celebration in the night. It would be a a, a grand festival in the temple courts on the night's of this festival as they remembered Israel's journey in the wilderness when they lived in booths what were they led by even during the night they were led by a pillar of fire a great torch but not any ordinary torch it was God himself leading Israel by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire during the night as Exodus 13 says And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. God was with them and God led them and they followed him. The imagery of lights would be used by the prophets as well, speaking of the Christ who had come, who would be a light, a light to the nations, a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, God would make him a Light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The imagery of light is a metaphor for many good things. It doesn't mean that at least on that occasion, Jesus was shooting forth light beams from his eyes, right? It's speaking about uh, the, the, uh, the goodness that came from Jesus. It's a, an image, a metaphor. Light can refer to revelation and truth. Truth and not falsehood revealing things just like when you turn the light on you learn what's there If you turn the light off, you don't know, but when you turn the light on. Oh, that's what you look like you have revelation So when God gives truth God reveals himself or reveals the truth about yourself. It's compared to light Light can be an image of righteousness of doing the sorts of things you would want to be seen not the stuff you would want to hide in the darkness So light becomes an image for for righteousness. John in his epistle says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Speaking of his moral perfection, it refers to the favor of God that we dwell in the light of his countenance that he beams upon us with a smile, with favor, with grace. It refers to glory. Glory is often pictured as light beaming out bright fame and glory But especially here in this context, it refers to life. Light as a metaphor for life, not darkness, which is associated with death. Jesus is all of these things. Uh, He is revelation and truth. He is righteousness. He is the favor of God. He is glory. He is life. As you'll see later in this gospel, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Through him, the light of God's countenance shines upon us. He is righteous and glorious, and he shares his righteousness and his glory with his people, that we might be righteous and we might be glorious. But in this context, he especially connects the metaphor of light with life. What do the people get who follow him? The light of life. Earlier in John 1, it said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light is the life, and the life is the light. These two things are associated in John. And it shouldn't come as a surprise to us, because what did Jesus already compare himself to? Jesus had compared himself in, in uh, chapter 6 to, to bread, to like the manna that had come to the Israelites, that he said he was the bread that came down from heaven, the bread of Life, the bread of, oh, the bread of heaven, right? The bread of life. Well, that would give them life because without bread, what happens? If without food, you die. Uh, But he would give bread to eternal life. Even his flesh, his death for them would give them life. What did he also say? He also said he would give living waters, the water of life. He told that to the Samaritan woman. He said that during this feast that they would remember the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness. So he would give Waters not just to you know quench your thirst for an hour or two, but to quench your thirst, to sustain your life forever. Eternal life, both in this age and in the age to come. A life that would well up within the believer to eternal life. But then Jesus is the light of the world that gives the light of life to those who follow him. So all these images are are pointing to who Jesus is as the source of true life, life that bears good fruit, life that never ends, eternal life. All of them connect Jesus with God's care for Israel in the wilderness. The way God cared for Israel in the wilderness and sustained them is how Jesus sustains his people which says something about jesus's identity that he is god uh, and then he is also god as a savior for his people and not just to get them across Sin- uh, the the desert but to uh, give them uh, eternal life life in heaven life in the age to come even now not to be dead in sins and trespasses but to be alive to god bearing good fruit not spiritually dead not only, though, was it compared to these things in the wilderness, the manna, the water from the rock, the pillar of fire, but also natural illustrations that were right in front of them. There was uh, the water that the Samaritan woman was drinking or that they had in the pools in Jerusalem. There was the bread that Jesus fed them, literal bread. They could understand the metaphor there. Likewise, here, there was a sun that we would naturally call the light of the world. It lightens the whole earth. It gives life. It sustains life and warmth and brightness, revealing everything. It's getting a little dimmer at the moment. But you understand how important the sun is, right? Jesus is the true light of the world. Now, no man ever spoke like this man. What would happen if you said, I am the light of the world? Uh, I don't think most people would be taken very seriously if they said that they were the light of the world. If anyone follows him, he'll give them the light of life. It's not what a normal teacher says. It's not what you'd expect your preacher to say. But it is something you'd expect God to say. It's something you'd expect the Savior of the world to say. He claimed to be more than a good teacher, more than a godly example, but also the divine Savior, the source of eternal life from God to sinners. He is the light of of the world. But the other side of this coin, the the implication is that apart from Jesus, the world walks in darkness. You follow Jesus, you don't walk in darkness. Well, without Jesus, the world walks in darkness. They need a savior. That's our second point. Apart from Jesus, the world walks in darkness. The people walk in darkness. The prophets said that. Jesus affirms the fallenness of humanity. What is the darkness the world walks in? The darkness of the world is, is sin. There's shameful deeds that you would want to hide in the dark. Jesus spoke about that in chapter 3. Some people don't want the light to shine on them. They want to do their deeds and keep them hidden. That kind of deed we would refer to as walking in darkness. There is the darkness of sin, which twists and, and invades and infiltrates the human heart and society and this world. The things of this world are lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's also the darkness of falsehood. Like I said, if you can't see in the dark, right? If the lights went out, you wouldn't know what's there. You would be ignorant. You would maybe even have a false idea of what is there. Man suppresses the conviction of sin. Man suppresses the truth of God. He uh, distorts religion and worships false gods, or he seeks to reject God and make himself God. Uh, Apart from Christ, man dwells in darkness, in falsehood, in ignorance, spiritual ignorance. He might know really well how to build a car. He might know really well how to provide food for himself, But he doesn't know how to be saved. He doesn't know how to worship God. Neither does he want to. But he is blinded by his own sins, by the devil, by the world. And this darkness then results also in the darkness of alienation from God. He dwells in the darkness, in the outer darkness, away from the light. Darkness isolates you. Isolates you, cuts you off. You can't see the other people. You can't see others. Likewise, as the world walks in darkness, it's a metaphor for being lost, for being cut off, for everyone going their own way, and dwelling in hatred. Hatred of God, hatred of your brother. John will say the one who hates his brother walks in darkness. And all of this leads to the idea of darkness as death. Spiritual death, moral death, misery of this life. The corruption of physical death and eternal death. Or what John calls in Revelation, the second death. That of the final judgment. And so the world dwells in darkness. Worse than anything that you would see in the Lord of the Rings. As the darkness comes over the earth. And the world, apart from Christ, dwells in a thick darkness of sin and falsehood and alienation and death. But the third point is that whoever follows Jesus will instead have the light of life. How do you obtain the light of life? By following Jesus, the light of the world. To follow him is to, to trust him, to become his disciple. It's to trust him the way that sheep trust a shepherd. They follow him. They trust him. They know his voice, and they go there. They trust him. Or the way a traveler trusts his guide. If you trust your guide, you're going to go with him, because it's probably safe with your guide. You don't want to go too far away from your guide. You might end up in trouble. You trust him, so you're going to follow him. You're going to go, go where he leads. Sim- similar to how Israel, followed the pillar of fire. If you departed from the pillar of fire, you'd probably wander away from the manna and the water and die in the desert. But you trust that pillar of fire. You go. If it moves, you'd follow it. Likewise, Jesus calls us to follow him, to trust in him, to entrust your lives to him follow Jesus Christ, abiding in him and his words by faith in him. The thing about light is that if you're in the light, you reflect light. You get seen. You get lit. Or we'd say enlightened, but lit just sounds a little more, uh, uh, less sophisticated. Light imparts itself to other objects. And so the light of the world makes his people light. He gives them the light of life. He gives eternal life to those who follow him. Isaiah speaks of how the glory and the light of the Lord has come upon his people and therefore his people become glorified. And the light reflects off his people and draws in the nations. Or Ephesians talks about anything that uh, is in the light becomes visible. And uh, we should bear fruits of light and everything that is good and true. I didn't make up that analogy. It's, uh, It's in there in the metaphor and it's... In there, in truth, that Jesus grants life to his people. It is through faith in Christ that we become enlightened, that we understand true wisdom and knowledge. Uh, we should investigate Christ, we should come and see Christ, but ultimately, we will not find true knowledge and understanding unless we trust Christ and embrace his words and receive them and follow him. Understanding comes through faith. And those who reject him remain blind. And you know what a great example of that is? Is the Pharisees. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. Uh, they, they, are very, they seem very thick. If you read the discussion, it almost gets tiring. Like Jesus tries saying it. You don't understand what I'm saying. And well, they don't understand what he's saying. And they go back and forth. And they don't understand it because they do not receive him. They are hostile to him. They've already been trying to kill him. And so they remain in blindness and darkness. But Jesus offers this light indiscriminately. He gets up at the feast. He speaks to the crowd and says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life whether they're Jew or Gentile, whether they're male or female, whether they're rich or poor, highly educated or not, it doesn't matter. Young or old, whoever follows him will gain this truth, understanding, this life rather than death, reconciliation with God rather than the isolation of darkness. And this is held forth out all to all, then, for each one to embrace. So in conclusion, we find that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who brings light to a world that walks in darkness apart from him. But whoever follows Jesus will have not darkness, but the light of life. So follow Jesus. And having embraced him, press on after him abide in him as he'll later say in other words stick by him he is the pillar of fire he is the way the truth and the life with him is safety with him is blessing he leads his people to everlasting life and glory let us pray dear father we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to be the light of the world to give light unto us that we might be born again, given new life, so that we might bear fruits not of wickedness and sin and hatred, but rather that of, of love for God, of love for our, our brother, of walking in your commandments willingly. We pray that you would more and more increase this life to enliven us, to revive us, to give us the, the zeal and and fervor for your glory we pray that you would continue to shed this light upon us that we might understand your word and embrace the truth we pray that you would grant this also to those who walk in darkness uh, to spread the light abroad that all the earth might be filled with your glory we pray this in jesus name amen